Jimmy, you were out in a canoe. I was. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, it's funny. Taylor and I, every weekend for the last few weekends, have been like, let's take the canoe out today. Let's take the canoe out today. And um, just never happened for one reason or another. And then yesterday, it happened. And we kept trying these little spots all around, and nothing really seemed to like be anything less than private. And I said, it occurred to me, there's this big, giant reservoir about 20 miles north on my main street. And so we went up to that reservoir with the canoe on it, investigating. We didn't know whether we'd be able to get in. And then there's like a visitor, like a little visitor park area for hiking. And we walked down the trail, which is about 300 yards, pretty far trail, right to the water's edge. And there was a little dock and a kid fishing. And we said, can we take a canoe in here? And there were people in a kayak. But I didn't know if they were people in their kayak from their own property because there's a few houses on the lake. And he said, yep, as long as you don't have gasoline in it, they're fine. And so we're like, let's do it. We walked back and together we didn't get into one fight. It was great. Not one argument about who was carrying it the wrong direction, who twisted it to the right when it should have went to the left. And I let Taylor be in charge because she knew how to paddle from camp. And I never did did ever before in my life. And so uh, we went out. We went out for about an hour out on the lake and... It was cool. I was the uh, I was basically the engine, and Taylor was the steering person in the back. And we had a lot of fun. It was great, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. Now that we broke the ice, and we realize it's because some of the canoes from Bear Mountain Boats are are a little tippy at there. You know, they's like if they, she asked me to take that canoe because she's like, if you're an amateur, this is a better canoe. Some of the tippier ones are kind of more for pros that kind of like get down on their knees and like kind of racing canoes. And anyway, this one was really good. We, we we did good. I got in it first. And we did not have life vests on. And the guy on the edge of the lake said, you know, you can get in trouble. He goes, it's okay with me. He said, but you could get in trouble. So we're going to buy life vests. And the next time we go out, we'll have vests on. But it was, uh, it was, it was nice yeah. to kind of break the ice and do something that was unrelated to the workshop, the machine shop, the, you know, making something for YouTube. Even though I, we did videotape it, we had fun. But it was very leisurely, something that I very rarely ever do. Anything that doesn't relate to something being moved, picked up, purchased, taken apart, <laughs> repaired, cut, welded. So Taylor was proud of me that I was able to let go of all that for the afternoon. Let me ask you a question. Did you, you said you had never done that before. Did you ever like grow up going to a camp, like a summer camp of any kind? Or like, did you go camping Nope. Like, I don't know Long Island, so I yeah. don't know what you Long would, Island. You know, Long Island produces, and it's, they say it famously, it produces serial killers and comedians. So I was like in the middle. So I guess I'm kind of more towards the <laughs> spectrum of comedian. But if you see like the, the history. So. <laughs> yeah, no. The, I, my serial, I think on a spectrum where murderer is one end, I want to be as far <laughs> the other direction as possible. No, but uh, I grew up with a group of guys that just kind of wreaked havoc like if, if, even though it's dated the the movie uh the outsiders is very close to the way i grew up and of course mm-hmm. me and like 15 dirtbag friends were on one side and all the socials are on the other side like i say dated because that movie takes place in the 50s but in the 80s in the late 70s and really the 80s is really the prominent era of my childhood that was exactly what it was like i mean me and my friends would you know fix engines and you know make like every summer all the rich kids would go to summer camp and we'd stay behind work for our fathers you know we were forced to like work for local little spots and a lot of times we just did our own thing there was a big pocket of my friends that would rob stuff and steal things i never did i was always too afraid to get in trouble but so i grew up kind of learning learning the streets you know the hard knock streets of long island man it was really tough out there man just kidding (laughs) but honestly i did grow up with a group of friends that were very 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 funny like five of my friends are like should have been professional comedians and the culmination of like that professional comedy was my brother john so my brother john was the one who really took that 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 sense of timing that comedic you know wit that we all grew up with and john really was the one who took it i know like four or five of my friends uh certainly should have done that at their careers. And I mean, they're like super funny guys, but they're married with families and jobs they probably aren't really happy with. But I grew up with a super, super witty group of friends. And, you know, it definitely helped my my personal timing and, you know, the way I chit-chat now. You know, it's just a certain level. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, I'm not comparing myself to, uh, to uh, Alec Baldwin, but... The way Alec Baldwin talks and his like 
his demeanor is very similar yeah, to like a lot cadence. of the, yeah he's very similar to a lot of the guys i grew up with you know that like kind of if you ever hear him on the howard stern show it's like he's like kind of that cutting wit so anyway that's that was the one good thing about growing up on long island but no i never ever yeah. my dad would take us out uh, on a on a rowboat and we would go crabbing late at night we would go late at night with like big flashlights like car my dad would make these he would take car headlights and build them into a handle and we attach them to a battery so we could see through the water and we would have crab nets and we would go out crabbing my dad my mom liked eating crab and we would give a lot to the neighbors and we'd sell some to the people on the dock when we get back and there was always good spots to crab so there would always be a lot of people so we'd maybe like if we went out at midnight my dad would take me and my three brothers and me and my two brothers and the three of us my dad would go out and we'd Go out crab until like one in the morning. And by the time you get back to the dock, there's only like five people still hanging out. And we would sell some of the crabs and and uh, cook the others. And But we did that a lot. So that was like my hmm. my childhood of going out on a boat. And then my uncle had an actual boat with a motor, a real boat. And we would go out on his boat. And we'd, you know, we'd be like shipmates for the day. He would fish for big fish. He would go for either shark fishing or fishing for bluefish out on Long Island. So that was another... That was another sort of like summer campy thing I would do is go out on my uncle's boat. But, hmm. Or just David, did you ever do any of that stuff growing up, like I, camps or? I have uh, I've never really gone camping like in a tent and fire. Uh, you know, in, in sixth grade we went to uh, this place in Michigan called Camp Store and stayed there for a week, and I think that was more of a like a vacation for my parents. But I. <laughs> <laughs> I I grew up right next to the river, so I went I went fishing every day. So I was kind of an outdoorsy mm. person, but I never really went camping. I was just kind of I'm leaving the house and I'm going to take my fishing pole and I'm going to yeah. walk down to the river and hang out and fish and play. I, ne- I I never went camping until I was in my 40s with Taylor. It was the first time I ever went mm. camping with Taylor. Hmm. We went and camped at the farm last weekend. Um, and like, you know, since we had, my oldest kid is 12. And since we had kids, it was always like, I would really want to start getting them camping. We want to get them outside and get this to be something that they're used to and that they look forward to. And, that you know, and then we kept having kids and like our kids are all kind of close <laughs> together. So it was, it was like we had an, <clears throat> an infant or a toddler for a really long time. And uh, then in the past couple of years, like since we've moved here, they've been old enough to where it makes sense to go camping and we just haven't had the time. Anyway, the other night, kind of last minute, we were like, we always talk about going camping at the farm. Let's go now. And we just, you know, it's close to the house. It's not far. So it was just like, everybody go get some clean underwear and a sleeping bag. (laughs) Like, get in the car. And it was cool because we didn't have to plan. It was, I grabbed a tent. Everybody grabbed sleeping bags. uh, Jenny grabbed some hot dogs. And we went. And, uh, you know, I slept horribly. And I was reminded, like, oh, yeah, I'm not, like, sleeping as a 40-something on the ground is not like it was when you're a 20-something. <laughs> so I didn't sleep well, but we had a really good time just being out there, waking up to the roosters next door and, you know, stuff like that. But uh, a couple days ago, we were outside and they were cleaning. we were cleaning some stuff up and then we found a whole bunch of worms and in like this mulch and so the kids are like moving worms from this one area to a garden bed and i'm like hey we should go fish so we just like put all the worms in a bucket everybody grabbed fishing poles we went down to the lake and took a little hike and got to the lake and it was the worst time of day i knew like it wasn't going to be where we would actually catch any fish it was like the middle of the afternoon but the kids only one of my kids has ever really been into fishing and he he likes it a lot but the other ones just don't have enough experience casting. So I was like, let's just go down and we'll practice casting. And so we started casting and, you know, they lasted a little while, but it dawned on me that I hadn't actually been fishing like maybe once since I was a kid. And that when I was really young, I used to go down to that same lake and fish with my dad on like Saturday mornings. And we would come back with a bunch of bluegill, uh, sunfish, stuff like that. And we would clean them and, and fry them. And I was like, it was weird because it was a memory that I hadn't completely forgotten about, but actually being down there in that environment and trying to help my kids, like, you know, put a worm on a hook and stuff. I was just like taken back to this. Oh, yeah. 
like I used to do this on a regular basis, <laughs> you know, for a short period of my life. Like I did a lot of this. And then it also dawned on me, like if we caught a fish, I don't remember how to clean a fish. <laughs> it's been 30, 30 plus years since I've cleaned a fish and I probably didn't even do it by myself then. I probably like watched my dad do it. I'm like, man, if we do more of this in this, you know, time off where we're all home and we're trying to find things to entertain ourselves, I'm going to have to learn how to clean a fish again. <laughs> but anyway, I was just curious if you guys grew up with that because, you know, some people uh, that I know grew up like here. I know some people who grew up on farms and like they were just outside all the time and that's all they did. And I know people now who are living on farms as teenagers. That's all they do is they hunt, they fish, they're just outside all the time. And then a lot of people just never get exposed to that at all. We spent, I spent probably like from the age of like 13 to like 18 in the schoolyard with all my friends sitting on this little brick wall, which every time I drive by, it's just so nostalgic. We would all just hang out when we was old, when we were old enough to drink and smoke. We did all that stuff, you know, you know, we were just dirtbags. When I watch, (laughs) when I watch the, the movie, um, and when I, well, I said like the outsiders, but when I watch Beavis and Butthead, then MTV came around when my mother was home. We were at the schoolyard. When my mother wasn't home, we were in front of the TV watching. We were watching uh, MTV because my mother, I lived in, my parents were divorced in 1980 and my mom worked constantly. So when the house was empty, me and all my friends would just hang out in my house and watch because they had, the parents were all home. So we, my house was the center of activity. And my mother knew it and she kind of, like, everybody was very respectful to my mom and my mom got to like everybody. But, uh, Whenever she wasn't around, there was like 15 kids sitting in my living room just watching MTV and making fun of the videos. So when Beavis and Butthead came out, it was exactly like my childhood with anywhere between like <laughs> 6 to 15 kids just hanging out watching. And on occasion, my brother John would be doing stand-up comedy to all of us. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> nice. So, What have you guys been up to? David, what have you been doing? Um... Not a lot. I got a I got a new truck that I can't drive anywhere. So that's <laughs> weird. Why can't you drive it? There's nowhere to go. Oh yeah, there's that. Yeah, and you I'm supposed to stay it, at home. You can't stop anywhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's cool. I'm looking. I've never been a truck guy, but um, I've reached a point in my life where a truck would just make everything in my life so much easier. With sheets of plywood and woodworking and go-kart stuff so that's kind of exciting and two weeks ago i put out a whole bunch of videos all in one week and then last week i didn't put out any videos and and we'll talk more about this later but i just haven't been motivated and there's i think there's a couple reasons for that so i haven't done a lot of work stuff i've just been hanging out i've been working on the go-kart build and that's been um satisfying because i got i reach i got a a lot done this last week the front end geometry is the most stressful part and i think i got it and yeah just hanging out and working on i've been reading some books about some stuff and not no videos just haven't been motivated to do videos yeah um i have a question about the the go-kart so I know that there's, you know, there's like body panels and there's some, some, a, a little bit of add-on stuff that's not essential to it driving. But the majority of the work there is essential to do before you can even really test anything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, huh? That's a bummer. I hadn't thought you about that. You got to be done and ready now. to go, like, basically. Yeah. Basically, yeah, yeah. So the luckily I have a a, a working one that I can model off of and. And you know, and I know it's going to work. The um, the difficult part is the front end geometry. So the where the front spindles are, um, the the body, the chassis curves up at a certain angle, and then it has the spindle brackets, and that has to be that has to angle up to a certain height. So your spindles are at a certain height, and your wheels are at a certain height, and then which is like three and a quarter inches and then they are angled in so if you're looking at the front of the cart it's it angles in and that is called pinkin inclination and then they are also angled back and this does a couple things but one of the main things it does is when you turn the wheels the front wheel goes up and the 
uh, the front left wheel goes up and the front right wheel goes down. So when you turn into a turn, it changes mm. where the, um, I guess it would be the center of gravity. It changes the, the weight. It shifts the weight to one area to help you enter and exit a turn. And all this stuff is adjustable. And so when you're welding stuff, it's, it's, it's permanent. So I'm like stressing out, like getting this angle perfectly right. And what I found myself doing was taking two by fours and cutting the angles on the two by fours and then um, kind of temporarily mounting the spindle bracket on that two by four, putting it up against the chassis, tacking it together, taking that two by four off, checking all my age, uh, angles and stuff and making sure everything is right. And I was stressed out for no reason. It all worked out just fine. But um, I didn't realize it would be, it, I didn't realize it would be so much. Uh, I, I guess um, just the angles are crazy. You know, I didn't, I didn't know there would be so much thought into that part of the build. This old Tony makes an amazing video where he over explains every little nuance and aspect of that. And the consequence of making it tilt one way versus another way, he goes mm. into it so deep to the point where you're like, your eyes glaze over, but you would <laughs> love it. I mean, it was a great video. This old Tony always makes entertaining videos regardless of whatever it is he's talking about, but check out this old Tony's go-kart build. He's got like four videos oh. on it, but one video is all about setting the front wheels. Yeah. And the, for I will I def definitely check that out. There's a bunch of videos on there because it, it can get kind of overwhelming because there's um, all, all the different angles. And then when you turn the, the inside wheel, needs to turn a little bit more than the outside wheel. And that's called the Ackerman theory. And there's reasons for all of that. And, um, and another reason the spindles are angled is this is kind of hard to explain, but if you're looking at the cart front on and if the spindles were perpendicular and the wheel is three or four inches away from that pivot point, you're, you, there's going to be more tire scrub. So if you angle that spindle, it, there, there's an imaginary line from that angle to the center of that tire, and that tire spins on that axis instead of the axis, the axis from where the spindle is, and there's less tire scrub and less tire wear, and it's a uh, science. Wow. That's all I got to yeah, say. Yeah, this science. old Tony does all kinds of on-screen <laughs> graphics, which show those lines that you're just describing. It's pretty. It's really great to watch. Yeah. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I've been... Uh, 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 I forgot to ask. Jimmy, have you actually been making anything? I just made the uh, the finger-jointed stool, which Dave was talking about before we started. Dave, thanks for the compliments. I noticed you made a couple of nice comments. The um, finger-jointed stool was something I came up with when I traveled last to Kentucky. I wrote it in my notebook. I thought of it on the airplane with my fingers clasped. And that's I was just... I'm holding my fingers together now. And uh, I was like, oh, that would make a great simple joint that's got to work. And it's funny. I said, Taylor, Taylor said to me, well, that's not going to work. It's going to fall apart. I was like, interlock your fingers. Now try and pull your hands apart in any direction. I said, so why wouldn't that work on metal? And he's like, okay, well, I don't know. Give it a try. Could always weld it if it didn't hold. <laughs> so I made a little sample on the bandsaw. And then I designed one in Illustrator. And then I, I, the finger joints, I literally handmade them by picking up and dropping squares. I made two, I made two squares, one the size I wanted, which is three quarters square, and then one a little longer. So it was like point, point 0.8 by three quarters. And I copy and pasted those two on top of one another. And then I deleted all the big ones so that the finger joints were just a little bit further apart. And then I made a laser version of just the finger jointed parts to make sure on a tiny little stool. Like if they work this size, they're going to work big size. And they did. And it, and it came together nicely. And I was telling you guys, I, I used 18 gauge steel, which was a little flimsy. And right when I made it, I was like, oh, this metal is too flimsy. And I also had a lot of opportunities to, to add more rolls to some of the parts, but I didn't think of it till after. And so I broke out the bead roller that I got from Eastwood. I bought it nine years ago to do exactly what I did, to just try and experiment with bead rolling on thin sheet. And I'd never used the machine before, two seconds before I started videotaping. And it worked out great. It gave a nice graphic element and also gave it a lot of strength. So that was fun, experimenting with new tools. Can you explain what a bead roller is? 
It's two little offset wheels that you put it. So it's kind of like the way like a bandsaw is. You have an upper and a lower thing. So you have a wheel above and a wheel below, but a really big neck, like a jigsaw. So you could put a piece of sheet metal deep inside of it if you want to have your B-roll feature deep inside of a piece of uh, metal panel. And they're connected with gears, the top roller and the bottom roller. And you put it where you want on the Sharpie line you draw, tighten it down so it's making a dented impression, and then you literally roll it, and it creates like a little impression along a Sharpie line that you follow with the the roller. And then you, when it gets to the end, if it's inside a panel, you got to unscrew it and then pull it out. If it in the video, you see both options where I start inside of a panel and end inside of a panel, or you could start on the edge and go all the way through and come out the other edge. So you just start and it's like a pasta maker, like a big crank. And instead of cutting the metal, it's it's putting a, a, a continuous bend in it. Can you see where the two bends join? Yes, because I never did it before. If you didn't, you know, if I if I had a little bit more practice, you might not be able to. But I started on a Sharpie line and I just said, if I leave the Sharpie line on like a feature on the roller, like I look for like a very specific spot on the roller, like a sharp edge. And I keep my Sharpie line right on that. And if I know that I started right on it, I got to come back and end right on it. And so it's a little disguised, but just because I'm I'm a noob, you could see where I started and stopped. But, mm-hmm. but uh, that was a, a lot of fun. Oh, and I did two live streams this week, which are up. ArborTech hosted this uh, global maker fest where every hour they scheduled somebody else to go live on their YouTube channel. And I went live on Friday. That was my birthday. And then Saturday, which is the day after my birthday. So they... Uh, Happy what? birthday. Is that re- oh, efficient? Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> 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 I'm sitting on a stool. Look at this stool. And I'm like, I'm like, wow, I put my foot on it and the whole thing almost snapped off. I'm like, well, that shouldn't be there. Oh, yeah. You've the, made uh, so many freaking stools in your life and you're using some sort of store-bought crappy stool that's falling apart. <laughs> you know what's so funny? I know you're right. This stool is... Uh, the one that I model all my stool. No, no, this isn't the one. This isn't the very one, but it's the same size. This I got at a garage sale recently because it's the same size stool that I like. And I'm going to copy this in the one that I like very, very, very closely to make a bunch of walnut stools this this uh, this next couple of days. Probably I'll probably start it, but I won't finish it until the middle of the month. But it's going to uh, be done all on my new lathe. So I, that's I was been... thinking about making a walnut stool yesterday. Guess I can't do it now. Oh yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's do. Let's do stool wars. Walnut Ooh. stool wars. <laughs> stool wars. Worst name for a show ever. <laughs> um. Yeah. Let's see. This week I have been. I did a little quick uh, project that actually got, I did in a day. It was nice, and I filmed it all myself, which is kind of weird to be back to that. Um. You know, managing the camera. I, we did the shop class uh, videos and put them out last week. And that was interesting to shoot because it was an entirely different type of video than we've ever done. And I was shooting it by myself. But then going back to shooting a project video, which is the thing that I'm used to, but then having to go back to the process of shooting by myself with a different camera. We have, like, the camera we have now, I've not personally used a whole lot because I haven't really been shooting much in a few years. And... um so there's been a little learning curve there to the new camera, but it was also kind of nice. Like it, I feel like that the project was short enough that it went pretty quickly, and you know it it didn't seem to be as much of a departure to run the camera again as I expected it to be. You know, I was kind of like, mm-hmm. oh man, this is going to slow everything down, and it really wasn't that bad. I don't know how it's going to look. <laughs> the entire thing could be out of focus for all I know. But the camera that we normally shoot on doesn't have autofocus. So I'm, so when I'm shooting by myself, I'm like, well, I'm not going to use that camera because it's going to make it too difficult. So I grab the, the other camera and one of the videos that I put out a couple weeks ago, the color, like I had the white balance way off. Everything was just, I put in so much work just to try to make it look normal and nobody said anything, but I know when I see that video, it, like, it just yeah. looks different. Mine yeah. consistently look like garbage from the very beginning of time, so I'm good. <laughs> Don't change this for me. Keep expectations low. <laughs> all my color correction is all like it goes from warm to cold to green to yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so a couple things I wanted to kind of talk about, and then David, you had something you wanted to talk about. Um, 
I was, th- I've been thinking a lot the last over this weekend, how, you know, there's a lot of stuff right now with everything that's going on that is absolutely terrible. And I, and I don't want to, I don't want to diminish any of the bad. Uh, like, I don't want to ignore any of the bad and just try to act like it's not there because it's not personally affecting me directly. But I was thinking about, as a response to that, I was thinking about the good that's been going on right now and the things that I'm finding that I enjoy that I didn't expect about all of this. Hmm. And so, like, the other day, last week one time, it was really windy. And we have a field behind our house. And when I was growing up, I used to come fly... Um, sport kites, like stunt kites with two lines and you can steer them and you can do tricks and stuff in the air. And I used to fly those when I was in high school in this field at my grandparents' house. And I've had those kites since then and they've been in like a bag. And I think I've taken them out like one or two times in college and I flew them and, you know, they've just been in a bag and whatever. And my kids have regular kites, you know, single line that they get stuck in trees once a year. And so it was really windy the other day. And so they wanted to take these kites out. And it was the end of the afternoon. I didn't have anything else I was working on. And I was like, you know what? I should get out my old sport kites. That'd be kind of fun thing to do. So I took them out there and immediately was like, oh, this is a bad idea. I haven't done this in so long. The lines are all, you know, tangled. It's going to take forever. Ten minutes into it, I had the kite out. I'm flying the kites. I'm doing tricks and stuff. And I was like, man, this is so cool. This is so much fun. Like, I forgot how <laughs> awesome this is. Mm. And the kids were enthralled by it. And so they came over, and I got to teach each one of them how to fly these kites and spin it around and do tricks and land them and take them off and all this crazy stuff. And it was just one of those things that, like, I I can't imagine a scenario if I hadn't been forced to be home <clears throat> excuse me uh, and you know if if the situation hadn't been exactly as it was right there I can't imagine a situation where I would have been like you know what I should just take the time and go pick up an old hobby that I haven't touched in 15 years and just like pull it out and, and just try to figure it out again I wouldn't have done that Yeah. but something about that situation just made it like I should give this a shot and I totally enjoyed it since then I've ordered two other stunt kites my son ordered one on his own money Yesterday, we went out and we tried to fly them again because we were both really excited about it, but the wind wasn't there. And I started looking at the weather app and I'm like, Tuesday, Tuesday, it's going to be windy. And so now I have a thing where I'm looking at the weather for the coming week to see if it's going to be windy enough to do this little hobby. I don't know. It just stuff like that. There's been a few things like that that are going on right now between me and my kids and uh, just the time that we have together. And it's it's just really cool. And I don't think I would have, I would have kept myself too busy and too occupied, and too mentally somewhere else to do that. And I don't know. I, there's a lot of bad, and I want to acknowledge something really cool and good that's coming out of this. That I hope I will continue to carry on after all of this is settled. But I've said it a bunch of times that this is going to change a lot of behavioral patterns, even cultural patterns for all of us, and. I never would have probably grabbed that canoe. I've had that canoe for, for going into two years now, and I haven't touched it. I haven't touched it. And yeah. Because of what's going on, we finally got the opportunity to just take it on the boat, take it out on the water. Nick Nick Offman, not to name drop, but Nick did mention I tagged him, and he wrote me a little note in Instagram, and he said, he goes, finally, it only took you 13 years, because that was when he and I first started working <laughs> on his canoe. And uh, I said, yeah, it took a global pandemic to get me on the water, but I'm happy I did it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. Um, there was something else that I was going to throw. Oh, yeah. Um, I've, I finally got back to working on R2-D2, which I know is not a big deal for anybody in the world except for me, but it's a thing that I've been... I, I got to a point with it, and it the next several steps are difficult. <clears throat> it, ex- exceptionally difficult. And so I've been putting it off for months and I've got plenty of excuses and plenty of reasons why I don't want to spend time on it because I have these other important shorter term things that I need to do and whatever. And, you know, last week one time I was like sitting here at the desk. Nobody else is around. I already shot the video for the week. And I was like, I should finally dig in and see what it's going to take to to make this next little push forward. And then like 24 hours later, 
It's got doors. It's got almost all the hinges on it. Like all this stuff that I've been putting off for months because it was so air quotes difficult. <laughs> I figured it out in just like a, it, it, it was more the attention. I didn't want to give it the attention to figure it out. Not really at the time. Mm. And so by giving it that little bit of attention, I was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have put this off for so long. But now there's a thing that is still far from done, but it's further along than it was. Um, and, you know, it, like that, I, silly things. Like I ordered a cappuccino maker, like an espresso machine a couple of weeks ago because I was, um, when I was in college, I was a barista for a little while and I really enjoyed making coffee drinks, but it's not something I ever really wanted to do past that point. And, um, when we went to Italy a couple of years ago, last year, I guess, um, they, all they have is pretty much espresso. So I was like, Oh, this is good. Like I've forgotten how, how much I enjoyed that and the process of making it anyway. So we ordered one and a couple of days ago, I like dusted off my old college barista skills and made some <laughs> lattes and, it was just another thing that I probably wouldn't have really spent the time to or spent the money to buy a machine. It's not an expensive machine or anything, but I don't know, just being like in a place with less to do, more time to think has just given me a little bit more space to, you know, like, well, maybe I can dedicate a little bit to this and a little bit to this and a little bit to this. And that's all in addition to already dedicating a whole bunch um, of extra time to my family more than I'm I'm used to. What you got, Jimmy? Bob, I think you could you got to start three D printing stencils to 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 decorate the top of your lattes. Do, <laughs> oh, there you oh. go. <laughs> do a whole series on like yeah. decorating the top of lattes somehow. What did you ever do that? Make like a little spilly heart or whatever. I mean, I would do like Spilly nothing heart. fancy. I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't do the uh, the leaves or anything like that. I would do like swirls and stuff, but I wasn't fancy. All with right. it. I see portraits. I see portraits in your future in the top of lattes. But uh, who am I? Who I know? I'll see what I'll see what I can do. Put that laser laser etch. Can you laser etch the top of a latte to be something fancy? <laughs> I guess you could. There you go. One percent huh. power. Yeah. <laughs> That's an idea. Anyway, <clears throat> so those are just some things that I've been kind of, you know, getting back to that I I haven't done in a really long time, and it's been fun. It's been it's been a good thing. <coughs> but David, you said that you were having trouble with motivation. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything to talk about there? Or I is think it so. Like- I think so. So, you know, okay. two weeks ago, I um I was super motivated. Like Dan's not here but I'm going to make all the videos. People are going to be home and they're going to need videos to watch. So I'm going to make them all the videos. And I put out four videos. And and then last week I started a video and I think it's a really cool video. Um, it's making a, a segmented planner. One on the lathe and one not on the lathe. So there's I can sh- I'm showing the two exact planners, but I wanted to show two different ways of doing it. And I just kind of stopped in the middle of it, and I'm like, I don't feel like working. My motivation to keep making videos it just it just went away, and I think it's it's a few things. Um, you know, Kelly's home more; she only works a couple days a week, and so um, I think that makes me want to sleep in a little bit more. And then if start my mornings however i start my morning is is basically that's going to set the tone for the rest of the day so sleeping in is never never good for me and um i i thought people would be watching more videos and my my views are actually way down so there's that that reward for putting out a, a video isn't there and i think the main thing is i don't normally watch a lot of news i do everything i can to avoid news because i just i don't it's it's all it's all negative so i avoid it but we've been watching a lot more news just to keep up on things and i think it just affects my mood and i'm just not i just going out to make a silly little segmented planner on the lathe doesn't feel (laughs) like something i should be doing right now so i don't know i've just been maybe making up excuses and and putting off work but the motivation definitely wasn't there last week and maybe this week would be a little bit different maybe i did too much the the week before and 
and I kind of burnt myself out. I don't know, but probably a bunch of things. But my my work ethic last week was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on on some of that though. Like, I'm the same way about mornings, and I've definitely since we don't have to get up at six o'clock to get the kids to school. I've definitely been sleeping in a lot more and then I still want to exercise because it's what I need to do. And then that pushes everything back and I don't need to, you know, hold the nine to five thing so much now because there's not other people in the office and my kids are always around and my family's always here. So it doesn't matter when the time is I spend with them, but I have that same kind of feeling. Like if the morning gets kicked back, you still want to kind of end at the same time of day. And so your day is shorter and, yeah, and I was surprised about the video viewing habits right now, too. I, I expected the views to at least be the same, if not higher, but they're absolutely not. And I've heard that from a lot of different people. It's just a condition, I guess, of everybody's routines being kind of messed up and, you know, uh, the places when people and the times when people listen to podcasts and, and watch videos and stuff are just not there the same. As Everybody keeps saying that, that ratings are going to be super, super high because of online content. And because everybody's been saying to me, oh, boy, you, you know, you picked the, the correct fate of everything being like isolated and also being online. You know, obviously, I, I, I truly believe this is just going to be a temporary situation for all of us. It, it has to be. But uh, my ratings have been about average, a little bit above average. But, uh, you know, um, people keep asking me another thing, too. People keep asking me, and I said this in my live stream, people keep saying, are you going to get involved in 3D printing masks and this, that, and the other thing? And, and I, I, I have one 3D printer. The other one's at Taylor Studio. So I only have one, and I'm not extremely adept at it. And I feel, and I said this uh, on my live stream, I feel that my role is to keep doing what we're doing and kind of keep people feeling normal and so i'm motivated by that like knowing that people i've been getting a lot of really nice notes of people saying you know in in this time of crisis it's nice to see a light is you know you coming up with some interesting video like the stool or whatever so i might be sounding like a cop-out i hope it's not but i think my role and maybe you guys role is is to create an online entertainment even if you know even if like the chips are down and the, you know the motivation's a little slow motivation should be to feel like you're you're helping your your brother man just and sister just to get motivated on their own you know or just to keep them entertained if people are cooped up and you know i don't know that's like i said maybe it's a cop out because i'm not participating in a grand scale I am helping somebody behind the scenes. I'm helping an inventor develop a product that could potentially be, you know, uh, you know, a part of the, the the life-saving efforts. But it's a really small thing, and it's somebody's idea, and I'm just technically helping him out. And uh, so, like I said, I think my bigger role in all this is is to just keep life as normal as possible, and keep experimenting with new things. This week, I'm going to play with my new lathe. I have two lathe projects that I want to do this month. The stool is one of them. I'm going to try and do something else for fun, more of a fun project. Um, so in the grand scheme of things, that's what keeps me motivated is feeling like, you know, we, we, we've been, we've, we've selected a, a career that is to entertain people. And now is the time of crisis and let's keep entertaining and educating people, you know, now more than ever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it's um it is kind of a weird thing this trade off of like you want your the thing that you're creating video podcast whatever the thing is you want that to be as as effective and reach as many people for that good as possible. I mean, this is a th- a thing I've thought through. It's like, you know, I have a video coming out this week on Thursday that I think is cool and I think would be interesting to a lot of people, but do I hold it? because I want it to be interesting to as many people as possible who will watch it eventually? Or do I release it because it will have a more, potentially, a more meaningful impact on the few that will watch it because they need to watch something right now? And those are kind of weird trade-offs. Like, you know, the uh, more impact on fewer or lower impact on more people is a weird... I don't know. They both have value, I guess. I'm going to try. My goal goal is to just put out, I'm going to try to put out two videos a week. I don't know if it's possible. I'll do at least one a week, but if I can get, so my, my thinking has gone to more like 
and I wouldn't expect anybody to know this, but more like my old making it videos for, sorry, for make magazine videos, because when I did that, me and Dave, Dave was a big part of my life. When I did all those, we'd be like, okay, we need to make a video in the next like four hours. What, what can we do? Oh, oh, you know, we got this metal over here. Oh, let's make a treasure chest. And that was like one of my most popular videos. Let me make a spoon. This, I got a the spoon video where I carved a spoon. It's got 11 million views on the make, make YouTube channel. It took me 20 minutes to make that video. So <laughs> yeah. I, I have to, I'm going to try and like switch my brain back to, you know, quick and fast and fun, you know, quick, fast and fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I can produce, like the stool was, was a two or three hour build. And I'm going to try to do more stuff like that in the future. And it's going to, it motivates me to, it's like I said, to educate and entertain. And, and I, I, I feel busy too, because it keeps me busy and keeps me from going stir yeah. crazy. One of the things I, that, one of the things I, I think about and I worry, worry is not the right word, but, uh, you know, I, I do one or two sponsored videos a month and I always want to make sure like those videos are going to be the ones that are going to get in front of eyeballs because the sponsorship is a two way thing. I have to make them happy and they have to make me happy. It's a three way thing. And then it has the, the audience has to accept it. And so I don't want to do a sponsored video where it gets no views and then that sponsor is not happy with the performance and they don't come back. Or sometimes you're working with an agency, that agency is not going to come back to you. And so these are all, the, all these things kind of just build up in my mind. I'm like it's got to be the right video. You know, I got to place this, this read in the, in the correct video. And so these are things that I'm, I'm thinking about too. Yeah. And those are important. I mean, I'm hoping that, you know, the, the people who are sponsoring videos during this time are also, aware of the impact that this is all having on 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 all sides of all the things right <clears throat> so i would hope that they would be a little more gracious about underperformance at this point um but jimmy to what you're saying about doing simpler things i'm kind of thinking the same thing like there's not only am i shooting it myself so that complicates my process but it i feel like and this is this is dumb now that I'm going to say it out loud, it feels dumb. I feel like that gives me a pass to simplify the projects down a little bit. I don't which think is, so. No. I mean, it's, it's totally wrong. It's like I shouldn't need an excuse to do a simple project. I'm, I'm thinking out loud here. Yeah. I shouldn't need to be able to justify. And it's all to me. It's all to myself. It's all my own, whatever. But I shouldn't have to be able to justify doing a simple project for because it's a, a thing that's simple. We're going to make raised garden beds because we want to start a garden because we're home and like, why not? And that is like, there's the dirt simple way to do it literally by piling dirt up and you have a raised garden. Right. And then there's slightly more complicated, slightly more complicated. And I'm, I was looking for ways yesterday to intentionally make it more complicated so that it had a little bit more, more meat to it. And I'm like, <laughs> that's dumb. Like just <laughs> like, yeah. do a thing. And <laughs> it's kind of weird. But anyway, I, I guess my point was, doing um having to film it myself feels like well that adds a little workload for me personally and so that can like i feel validated in lowering the complexity or the the scope or whatever of the project itself because overall i'm still doing the same amount of work so dumb i know but it's giving me this internal excuse to do things that i wouldn't typically uh justify making a video about like making a raised bed for a garden like it's it's super simple even even the birdhouse the birdhouse i did with my kids i would never make a a full project video about that simple birdhouse even though there's no reason not to but somehow i was able to justify it to myself because i was wrapping it in this other stuff that would hopefully be useful for my kids and other people's kids and whatever i don't know it's interesting finding out some stuff about yourself when putting into a different, being put into a different situation, a different scenario. And I'm finding out that I overcomplicate things because I feel like I have some, I don't know, threshold to meet or like some responsibility to have for not doing a simple, the simplest possible thing. Um, anyway, long way around to say, yes, Jimmy, I'm with you. I'm trying to get myself to the same thing so that I can just do projects that have a little value, have a smaller chunk of value um and and it's okay if they're simpler you know so that's the stuff i've been planning is definitely simpler than the stuff i typically do but 
still going to do it anyway. Ramble complete. <laughs> no, I, I don't think you should make any excuse for doing simple videos because it's the simple, like we all, obviously, as we've gained a little bit more success in YouTube, we complicate things. I hear it all the time. Like, oh, I'm never going to use that on my CNC machine. I'm never going to add a CNC machine. I'm, I'm really just, I'm sharing my, my personal journey with everybody. I'm not trying to tell everybody you need to do exactly how I do it. And people will glean some inspiration from what I do. You know, I'll do complicated things on the laser or the CNC. And then I see people bandsaw the same version. Like I was inspired by you. Like, that's great. You know, they wasn't that, Oh, I don't have the money, you know, but so those are the people that I'm communicating with. And I kind of lost my train of thought, but the don't be embarrassed about doing simple videos because when people see simple videos, those are the ones that really connect. Like I said, as we grew bigger and bigger, we we feel the need to add more meat to it. You have a couple guys, so you feel the need to keep them all busy. So you might have like overlays and a little, you know, maybe have some CGI in there or, you know, like a 3D model that also accompanies the video just to help the explanation. But in the old days, it was just you on your porch. <laughs> you know, Got you uh, to where you are. Simplifying something can also lead to really good design. Good design comes from trying to make things as easy and simple as possible. Like absolutely a good challenge to yourself is design a chair, the simplest possible chair you can, you can make, you know, maybe, maybe you limit yourself to three pieces or four pieces and then work from there. And you can come up with some pretty cool, unique ideas that way. That's a really good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Like I said, I don't think it's justified. That's just a weird thing I have with myself (laughs) about like, you know, wanting things to be valuable and, and yeah. uh, worthwhile. Worth somebody's time to watch, you know. I also want to sure, say I'm though, not looking for uh, I'm not looking for a solution for my motivation. I'm just mm-hmm. like last week I just wasn't motivated. So, you know, I'm not I'm not seeking uh, a reason why. I'm not seeking a, a, a path to get out of it. I just that's that's where I was last yeah. week and maybe this week will be different. Yeah. Well, and like I, I think we've talked about this before, but you know, um, a lot of artists, people who consider themselves artists, well, people who are artists, whether they consider themselves or not, have this kind of motivational uh, roller coaster thing, this peak and valley thing. It's it's really obvious from an outsider's perspective when somebody has that. Um, and that's just a condition of like you throw yourself into something really, really hard and then you have to rest. And then you do it again and then you do it again. But there's always that rest, that downhill and that valley at the bottom of that before you can start going back up. So, I mean, you know, like you said, it could just be a situation of a response to going really hard the week before. Mm -hmm. Four videos is a lot of videos. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, do we have anything else we want to chat through? Mm. Anything coming up? Cool. Like uh, (laughs) there's nothing coming up. I mean, I know we're not doing anything, but like anything, anything that you're excited about that you're going to be working on or like some, you know, anything, I, maybe not. Go ahead, Jimmy. I was going to say, I last night, Taylor and I, we got back from the canoe trip and uh, we were riding around. We stopped and we got some uh, some planting goods. Well, we had some, but we we uh, we stopped and got a couple more things. And we're going to plant a big garden in the back. Dave, Bob, you mentioned that. And uh, we started cleaning up. And for the first time, it's not. 30 degrees out so i i started cleaning up the the blacksmith shop and i last night i found a chunk of metal and i started working on a, a knife concept a chef's knife that i want to make and taylor filled me for a few minutes but i just got the ball rolling so it's exciting to know that 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 workshop now is available because in the dead of winter it's nearly impossible to do anything in there and uh it, and it becomes like a dump. It's like anything in my life where there's a flat ground becomes a collecting dumping ground for all the various stuff. <laughs> I'll deal with that later. You know, my whole life is I'll deal with that later. So yesterday we cleaned up a little bit, did some yard work. And so the blacksmith shop is, is slowly getting resurrected for the summer. And that's going to be a great spot because I have some local guys here. We blacksmith from time to time. And, you know, some of the, the guys that live in the Northeast come visit me every now and again and we spend the time in the blacksmith shop. It's, you know, in the summer, spring and fall. So it's become a cool little hangout spot. So I'm organizing that again. So upcoming video is going to have some of that. And then I, I have a lathe video, which is going to involve some blacksmithing. So I wanted to organize the shop for that cinematography too. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I got I got cool. some fiberglass work that I'm excited to to try out. It's going to be in conjunction with Total Boat, so they sent me all the materials, and so I just wanted to do a couple little things off camera to experiment and uh, get the technique down, and then I'm going to make some panels for the go karts. And um, my Pinterest right now, if you I don't know how much you guys use Pinterest, but if you click on one thing, Pinterest is really aggressive with <laughs> showing you related items to that one thing for the next three weeks. And so I clicked on this little um, welded sculpture thing that somebody made with a whole bunch of little jam nuts. And that led me down this path oh, of yeah. uh, like, man, I got all these scraps left over from from the go-kart and all this tubing. Like, what can I do? What what can I make with this? So I'm going to brainstorm some ideas to do with all this extra metal and tubing that I have lying around. So some some of that stuff. Yeah, looking forward to just experimenting a little bit more. Cool, awesome. Well, I'm um, I got my bees this weekend, and uh, I'm excited about. I saw that. That's kind of cool. It was so many bees, like. Okay, so before when we had the bees in our porch, that was the most bees I had ever seen in one place because I have no experience with beehives. And I knew it was a small colony, but it was still, you know, a thousand bees. I don't know, a hundred. I don't know how many it was. A couple hundred bees, something. So when we moved those into the, the hive, I was like, this is what a beehive is like thinking even though i knew logically it was small like that's just what i thought of and then i went and bought two boxes of bees to put in two separate hives and each one of those boxes is probably five times what i had before (laughs) so many bees and like i got all suited up and everything and i'm out there and i'm looking at this box and i'm trying to figure out it's a white plastic it's called a bee bus and it's just a white plastic crate with a bunch of tiny holes in it and they fill it up and they put a feeder in there so like they can feed and then the the queen is in a little box she's in a cage in the box with everybody else so that they won't eat her it's, it's so wild anyway so i go to i'm looking at this box from the outside like trying to figure out is it black inside or is that bees because <laughs> it looked like it, there was like a black container inside of it and you could kind of see the bees it was just bees <laughs> And it was solid. Anyway, so I go to crack this thing open and imagine a horror movie where your face gets pelted with several thousand bees at one time. And it was that. They were just like shooting out at my mask and just bouncing off of my mask. It was it was super cool. But it was also really, really crazy. <laughs> that and sounds like a good opportunity so I, for a GoPro shot. I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't shoot any of it because it was just a matter of. Uh, really, all you do is you open up your beehive and then you open up this thing and you slow-mo, shake all the bees down into your box. Slow mo bees. Mm. Slow mo yeah. iPhone slow mo bees. <laughs> slow mo bees. Um, anyway, so I got those put into both of the hives yesterday, and I'm really excited. Now I have to wait about a week, and then I can open them back up and uh, take the queen out of her little cage and then let her back into the hive and then that's when things will really start to happen and it'll kind of take off um so i'm, I'm pretty excited about does she have a crown on her head does she said is like six sitting in a little chair with a scepter and a crown <laughs> a little tiny metal cage i mean kind of she has they they paint them so on her back she has a little uh blue dot says q yeah yeah and she has a scepter like a little, <laughs> little scepter with a thing on the end of it it was funny because, like, I, I put them all in, and my dad, who lives a couple miles from us, was like, um, he sent me a text yesterday, and he was like, yeah, we see a lot of bees in our yard today. Did you tag yours so that we can see which ones are yours? <laughs> so I told him I should have put, like, a little little banner behind each one of them, so as they're flying around, you can see that I like to make stuff logo. But bees are really, really crazy. And I've gotten some really good feedback from people who are, like, you know, I put it on Instagram, and a lot of people are really helpful. Um sending feedback and and ideas and stuff. Um, Craig from the Barefoot Forge is has been really helpful. And then I found out, do you know the channel Chris Fix? You ever seen Chris Fix it on... Uh, I think so. It's like a car. It's a huge YouTube channel. Six million or something. And uh, he was doing the exact same thing that I was doing on Saturday morning when I was doing it. <clears throat> so I'm like doing my stories and then somebody sent me a message and 
attached his because he was literally doing the exact same thing at the same time. And so we got to chatting a little bit back and forth. But anyway, I'm excited about that and the garden, um, which we haven't started yet, but I'm looking forward to it. All right. I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. You guys figure out what you want to recommend. Huge thanks to all the people at Patreon that support us. A lot of people have discontinued their support right now. Obviously, finances are a big deal right now. We've gotten several notes, which I haven't necessarily sent on to you guys, of people saying, like, I had to cut it off because of this and because of that, and I hope to come back. People, don't worry about it. Please don't feel like you need to send us a a note. I, I mean, it's really nice, but if you have to change your patronage, don't sweat it. Like, we're grateful that you listen. Um, we are also very grateful for the people who continued or have been coming on as patrons. We've actually gotten new patrons through all of this stuff, which is pretty amazing. So just big thanks to everybody involved. Uh, like I said, don't sweat it. If something changes, It's you don't have to explain it. We're just grateful that you're here. But I want to say big thanks to our top patrons. Corey Ward, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, Maker and Training, Funkiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, who sent me an, another message. She's always sending like really cool stuff about the machining videos that she makes, which I already watch. Mm. But um, she's always like, yeah, you talked about this. Here's these two. Check these out. So that's super cool. Everybody should check her out. Um, you can make this too. Odin Leather Goods, Jenny and Davis, and Albers Woodworks. That's our top tier people that, that um, support us the most, but we're really grateful for everybody. Even the $1 level, uh, we are thankful for them as well. And everybody gets the after show, which is another podcast, a separate feed of more of us Hmm. (laughs) after this. (laughs) So so there's more of us if you want it. Uh, If you do want to help out the show, go to patreon.com slash making it. And if you don't, that's fine too. But it would be really cool. Uh, if you just shared the show with somebody that you think might like it. Somebody who's bored, needs something to listen to, or somebody who's not bored and needs something to listen to. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why somebody would like it. Um, yeah, share it around. If you don't mind, we would appreciate that. Okay. D- Jimmy, what you got? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about my friend uh, uh, Andrea Evans, a patent attorney. I just texted you guys her, her channel. I've talked about her before. We met... At the very last uh, um, non-social distancing event in my life, which was in the Kansas City event when we we went and did the hosting for so Make Forty Eight ago, yeah, well, that was a whole month ago. Yeah, she was the <laughs> pa- she is the patent attorney on the show that makes sure that the contestants are making things that are patentable and not infringing on patents. Anyway, she's um, very very knowledgeable, very 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 educated in in intellectual property law. And while we were together, she pulled up the computer and she's like, your trademark is abandoned. I was friends with an attorney uh, who was helping me with my trademark, but he got very sick and he never told me like all of his attorneys, like all of, I mean, all of his clients like had problems with him. He trademarked my name Duresta like four years ago, but never told me. So I didn't know. So my name trade, my trademark Duresta was trademarked and abandoned because I was never maintenancing it because he got out of the law business because he got physically sick. And anyway, so she got everything righted for me. So now I have the trademark for my name, my logo, which is my my written logo, and my my written word. So the name Duresta in like several classes, of course, entertainment and and some product marketing, is my trademark. And there's a couple of YouTube channels out there that have my name in the title. And she says YouTube is very good and Instagram is very good at honoring trademarks. So just as a little background story, I don't know how this is going to work out. We're going to find out this week. There's a very, very popular YouTube channel that uses my name. And I know they used to steal my videos. So he stopped stealing my videos because I would give him trademark things. And then he changed the name of the, the his whole entire channel to my name and got rid of all my copy videos. Now he copies everybody else's videos. So I've been trying to figure out a way to go after this guy. <clears throat> and I'll tell you a really funny story, too. I'm sorry to hijack this. Anyway, follow her channel, but I'll tell you the story. She just started a YouTube channel because of me. <laughs> where she talks about patent law. It's a very small channel. She's just getting started, but she's extremely knowledgeable. So everybody's been sending me this channel saying, these guys are stealing your stuff. I actually got people telling me, this is such a great video. I can't believe how you were able to figure this out. I'm like, that is not me. That is this confusing other person. So I sent her a note. I'm like, hey, since we're trademarked my name now, can I? She goes, yeah, I can totally have this guy knocked off of, at least not use your name. 
She goes, but I don't know how to get in touch with him. He has no information in his, in his, you know, in his description. She goes, so I wrote to under one of the comments. Uh, he has like a couple of postings. So I wrote under one of the comments. Uh, I said, could, could you please do me a favor and send me an email? I want to ask you something. Ten minutes later, I got an email from the guy. He's like, yeah, what do you need? And I forwarded that email to her. I'm like, this is the guy. I didn't answer his email back. Mm. This is the guy. <clears throat> so anyway, so now we have his contact. And my friends that my I'm, I'm with a, a, a channel maintenance company called Bent Pixels. They also now know who he is. And we're going to hit him with a cease and desist. But before we do that, I said to these guys, I said to everybody involved, I was like, before we tell him to eradicate his channel, because his like last 75 videos have my name in the title of the video and all the graphics in the beginning of the video. I said, before we have him completely eliminate his channel, his AdSense is probably pretty good because he has lots of millions of views on some of the videos, even some of the most modern, the most recent videos. I said, since he has no option but to delete his channel, let's force him into a partnership. Let's force him into licensing my name from me where he can keep doing what he wants to do, but he has to share some revenue with me. And everybody's like, wow, that's a pretty good idea. So instead of just him getting, because his videos are good, he just uses my name. I don't, you know, I'm, they're not, they're not, they're not embarrassing in any way, but uh, we'll see what happens this week. He might fight back and say, that's not possible, but he's not going to win because I have the trademark of my name. He, he has no option, but to just delete 90% of his content, because like I said, my name is in the title sequence of every one of his videos. So we're going to see if he's negotiable. So between Ben Pixels and Andrea's law firm, we're going to see if we can't figure out something. I might end up getting, you know, an extra couple thousand dollars a month off of his AdSense. Who knows? We'll see. So I'll let you guys know how that turns out. But that's just a little, that all wouldn't have happened if I didn't meet Andrea. This, this channel has been up for the last several years using my name and I just ignored it. And when I was sitting with her, I'm like, what can I do about this? She's like, oh, once we get the trademark of your name activated again, she goes, we can go after that. And so the Vent Pixel guys are going to do all the behind the scenes stuff with YouTube to approach this guy for this concept. And we'll see what happens. So, wow. Long story. Sorry. <laughs> That's crazy. Weird. All right. So you said you had two. One was Andrea. What was the other one? Oh, no, no. I don't have two. I just I lied. Just Andrea. Oh. I've already talked too much. <laughs> Ow. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> what you got, David? Uh, I don't really have... I haven't been watching much YouTube. Maybe I'm like everybody else, not watching a lot of YouTube. So I don't have anything spectacular. But a channel you might want to check out is the Dick Cavett Show. Um, oh, I love the Cavett Show. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is before my time, but lots of great clips with celebrities from, from the 70s. And um, my brother sent me the a link to... Salvador Dali on on the show. And I just, just said that I talked about it in my live stream. I was like, oh. I love Salvador Dali, but he's it, it's such an egomaniac thing to bring a lizard on a talk show. I was like, it's great. <laughs> I love Salvador Dali, but like it's it's such an egocentric thing to bring a lizard on a talk show that completely takes over the entire conversation. He had a lizard is, on a leash. It is so weird. Like he is just. <laughs> He's an artist, and artists are weird, but he is super weird. So, yeah, it, it's a fun channel. And it's an official, cool. it, it's I, not I, stolen video. Okay. I've seen um, a lot of interviews, you know, just over the years of his with people, and they're always really interesting. That's pretty awesome that there's a whole YouTube channel of them. Um, I think one of, like, his, uh, his interview with Jimi Hendrix, well, I think he's probably done several of them, but one of them. Yeah. I, when I was in high school, I did a, a paper, like a term paper about Jimi Hendrix. It was like 10 pages or something. And that was one of the things that I found at some point uh, in that process. And it was like on VHS or something. But it was really fascinating just seeing, because uh, Dick Cavett's like very kind of straight and very, you know, he's like very collected. And then the people he talks to were just like so out there and so into like half of them are high and half of them are just like in different places. He did a great one with, uh, yeah. he had on like, a, you know, he, and he would always, he always would combine conservatives and liberals. And he has a great one with Frank Zappa. That's another great interview that's out there. And it's like, hmm. it's like an hour, a solid hour long. Like they keep coming back to commercials and Frank Zappa is still sitting there. Like you think he would like blow off by the time he was like totally annoyed with the other guests. It's, it's like torture for some of the people. And Frank Zappa's <laughs> just sitting there like, kind of like, 
completely sarcastically answering questions like, yeah, well, this is what I do, you know? And everyone's like, are you, are you into drugs? He's like, I've never taken drugs in my life. You know, just because he's like got long hair and a mustache. They're like, it's so funny how the times used to, uh, people used to be so polarized back in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. And we're not polarized now. <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. <laughs> Very good. All right. So mine is um, actually a channel I just came across last night. We were looking at gardening stuff because I know nothing about gardening, but we're going to start gardening. So I was looking for some kind of beginning stuff, found this channel. I don't really know anything about it. We watched one video. Um, this guy whose delivery was a little over the top at the beginning in his like, hey, welcome to my channel kind of thing. But the information seemed to be really good. And so, uh, and once he got into talking about the actual gardening stuff, it calmed down a little bit. Anyway, it's called The Gardening Channel with James Prigioni. Prigioni? It's from New Jersey. And uh, he, the channel's pretty good size. 348,000. Um, I guess it's like gardening is just a genre of videos I've never looked into before, but apparently there's a, a pretty big. I think I've uh, seen. I think I've seen creators there. But he has like all sorts of stuff, you know, growing stuff from seed, uh, planting things uh, that are already you know started somewhere else. He's got all sorts of different size and different types of gardens and a lot of gardening information. So um, go check that out if that's something you're into. We're trying to get into it uh, right now. So I subscribed. But that's what I got. Um, you guys got anything else you want to chat through before the after show? I'll take that as a no. Well, uh, everybody listening, thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you for listening. I hope you're well. I hope you are safe and motivated. I hope motivated. Yes, I hope that you are motivated to do something. Either maybe do an old hobby. Look through your old closets and find an old hobby and pull it out and watch it. YouTube <laughs> or watch YouTube that would be cool too maybe All I right. need to thanks go thanks for listening everybody alright thank you yeah go fishing we'll see you next time Love you.